So as we think about Easter and as we think about Palm Sunday, I wanted Eddie to read Isaiah 53 because oftentimes when we, sorry, get this all settled, 53, and when we look at that passage, the suffering servant, Messiah, that was uh, predicted, and uh, it is an important part of Easter, and as we think about the time beforehand, Easter is the wonderful celebration of the resurrection of Christ, but as we think about what Jesus Christ went through before that, and so this morning as we think about that time, so turn if you would in your Bibles, we're going to go to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. And uh, the, I know I don't have PowerPoint this morning, but as we think about the humiliation, humiliation of Jesus, this is really the antithesis of pride and sin. As we think about humanly speaking who we are and how we sin, we are enemies with God. And yet Christ, the suffering Messiah, the one who bore our sins, went to the cross you see just a little bit earlier as Palm Sunday, as we celebrate the king who would have been established for the nation of Israel, but yet they rejected him. And how that was part of God's plan, he knew that would occur. And Jesus knew that would occur. But then also he would have to suffer and go through. So as we look at Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through 8, and it says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Shall we open in prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word, for the truth it gives to us. Thank you for the reminder of what you did for us. And I pray that you would help us to keep that in focus, even this week um, in our lives as we think about the sacrifice that was given on our behalf. Lord, thank you because we are so undeserving, unworthy of that. But Lord, you continued to fulfill the will of the Father, and we are grateful we are thankful for what you went through. And help us as we dwell upon this passage, this text, to consider what you have done. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Here at Grace Baptist Church, since we don't have a Good Friday service, I think it's important to take time to emphasize just a little bit of the sacrifice that has been made on our behalf. And as we think about the sacrifice of a life one for another, we often think of the military. There are those who are in the line of duty, and I know we have some veterans and others who have served, and thank you for your service. But those who have stood in and sacrificed their lives on behalf of another, coming up in May is uh, Memorial Day. And as we consider that, the life that has been touched by others. But Jesus not only sacrifices life, as we think about the positional change that occurred in Jesus coming to earth, because he humbled himself in a way that we are unable to understand. Probably most of us could think about a time that we were embarrassed and uh, what occurred and how that made us feel. But this humiliation is beyond that. As we understand, you know, why does Jesus, who is God, come to earth to sacrifice on behalf of those who hate him, who could care less if he existed? 
Yet, humanly speaking, there's no comparison to the humiliation that occurred when Jesus came to earth. You know, Jesus not only came to earth, but he died on the cross and suffered a death that a, a criminal, one who is even less than a criminal because he was innocent. But he paid the penalty for our sins and fulfilled the work of God the Father. So as we look at the text, going to Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, it says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Let this mind be in you. In the Greek, it means to think or to have this disposition among yourselves. Referring back to verse 2, if you look at verse 2, it says, Fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. A little bit even considering unity, but to um, understand that verse 5 summarizes verses 3 and 4. Because in 3, 4, it says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for your own interests, but also for the interests of others. And then we go into this passage, as we see in verse 5. And there's a parallelism, as we see here, of verses uh, 5 and 6 and 7 and 8. But Jesus and his position, but also Jesus and his action. And we can't separate those two. A lot of other religions there's a, a distinction between the founder of their belief system or the religion and their writings. Well, only Jesus Christ, as we think about biblical Christianity, you cannot separate the two. Without Jesus Christ, and if he wasn't who he said he was, we wouldn't have Christianity. It is essential. Essence of Christianity is Jesus Christ. And so as we look at who he is and what he did, we see here, we can view what takes place because, first of all, it did not, he did not consider it robbery being equal with God. Now, to me, whenever I read that, it sounds contradictory or a little bit or confusing. Robbery? How could it be a robbery with God? Because we don't use that phrase. Let me explain a little bit what that means. First of all, some translate this word as an advantage to be gained. But the idea expressed by Paul is saying that Jesus, positionally as God was concerned not with the matter of getting, but of getting. If you've ever been in a, an advantage, advantageous position, how many of you have ever played King of the Mountain? Okay, some of you have. If you, if you have ever lived in snow, you understand King of the Mountain because, all right, get up there and push everyone off. Yeah, you know, you have the upper hand. And then they go falling down in snow and ha, 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 you know, and then the next day happens. King of the Mountain. You're in that position, advantageous, and you're all concerned about, you know, staying there and pushing down, but guess what? What you have is the advantage, and everyone else is subservient to you, right? Well, they don't bring you gifts, but here, positionally, Jesus Christ is God, and positionally, he is above, he's separate from his creation, but yet he lowers himself, and how does he do that? And what occurs is, it says, that he's not concerned with a matter of getting, but of giving. Jesus, as God, deserves our worship, our praise, our honor. Understanding that he is God. But yet, it says that it was not a treasure to be greedily possessed, like something stolen. Think about a prized possession that you have, whatever it is. Maybe it's a new car, maybe it's a... Um, 
a new house. Maybe it's something possession that you have. You know, you get it and it's like, oh, you know, uh, jewelry or something new and you love it and you care for it and it's like so precious to you. You don't want anything to happen. So you're not going to let a sibling or someone else take care of it. And so you're concerned for that. But yet, as we think about a treasure to be possessed, uh, maybe it's even food, something that you really love. You're not going to share that with other people. You know, there's a lot of greedy people who want, hey, give me some of that or let me have it. Have you ever been in school? Remember, I've talked about the mooch. There's always one in a group who, hey, you know, free food, give me some of that. No way, you're not getting that. You can't even appreciate it. But Jesus did not consider his position as God to be a treasure, to be greedily possessed like something stolen. You know, when you have something that other people want, you know, you're in that advantageous position. But Jesus, as God, it says, did not consider it robbery being equal with God. And so, it says that Jesus displayed an act contrary to the value of his position, which is hard for us to understand. Why would someone who is in the position give himself up? I guess a close illustration we could look at as, you know, sometimes we look at Michael Jordan. Oh, he was, you know, the best basketball player, and all of a sudden he left his position. And what did he want to do? He wanted to play baseball. And people say, why? You know, you're in that. Well, that's not even a fair comparison. Imagine if he wanted to go and um, clean toilets or do something that was, you know, even low. I don't know what the, we don't know what lowest job is. In the U.S., hopefully, you know, you'll do anything. But the lowest job, I don't know, go and, you know, as we think about what would be the worst job. There's some bad jobs, you know. I wouldn't want to, you know, dive into those sewer septic tanks or something like that. Get paid okay, you know. But, I mean, there's just, what is something that you, is so low? But yet, here, Jesus Christ was willing to do that. And as we understand, it is an absurdness that is not natural to us. And to think about that, to consider. And Jesus Christ, in his position, then to come to earth for the world. As we think about this, it would be almost be a comparison. When's the last time you thought about if cockroaches get enough to eat? Does that ever pass your mind? You're thinking, you know what? I wonder if the cockroaches around my home or, you know, in the city are getting enough to eat. Hopefully it never passes your mind. Maybe you're big into insects. But, I mean, really, who cares, right? You see one, squish. But Jesus Christ, here he is in the position of God and understand and be willing to come down. It's, I can't even give you the disparity between the two positions and the value. But he's willing to leave heaven to come to earth. It says did not consider it robbery, but made himself of no reputation, literally of nothing. That is hard for us to understand because, I'll be honest, humanly speaking, we all want to be liked. If it's only by our dog, we want to be liked. And so it, it causes us to feel separate and loneliness sets in. And to understand, humanly speaking, we're made for relationships. Now, granted, there's always going to be people offending and, you know, going to insult. But humanly speaking, we long for a relationship. And God has made us that way. But made himself of no reputation, a position, a value of nothing. Remember, going from value of worth everything to a value of nothing? Why would he do that? And that's contrary to us because think about us. We're self-glorying, um, narcissistic, selfish, prideful. You know, I mean, while we would 
say, oh, you know, I don't want the position. But sometimes if they say, hey, guess what? Get up there, you know, you know, hey, you know what? Great. You just um, you did and give you that and we're going to give you a, a big prize. Most of us be like, okay, we'll take the prize. Didn't matter. But taking, made himself of no reputation. And then also taking the form of a servant. In verse 7 it says, and the servant and even the lowest position in the household, it's to help them understand the illustration of the positionally within. We don't have um, within our society like they do in East India caste system, but really in the Roman times, in that times, you know, there are different positions. But he expresses that Jesus coming as a servant. And to Look at theologians. They explain this Philippians passage as kenosis, just a term which means self-emptying, where Jesus gave up the use of some of his divine attributes some of the time. He didn't stop being God, but he gave up some of his divine attributes some of the time. And that's hard for us to understand. And as we look at the position while he was on earth, a divine God possesses a divine nature, and then all of a sudden a human nature as well. How does that occur? It's hard for us to understand. The hypostatic union, another term, refers to God being 100% God and 100% man or woman, you know, human, as we look at that. And it's parallel to as we start in 7b, where it says, coming in the likeness of mankind. Jesus, who was God, was now self-limiting himself to take on human flesh. And for the most part, we look at creation-wise. Mankind is the highest of the creation order. And uh, they, they were talking about, I was reading an article this week about AI. They want to put a pause to AI because if we continue down this path, we'll all be killed. You know, only, obviously, mankind is the only one who can create machines and everything to, to wipe ourselves out. You know, we can't be civil like um, the animals that just eat each other, but um, we create things to do that for us. But as we look at this passage, and to understand here, coming in the likeness of mankind, Jesus, who is God, is now self-limiting himself and taking on human flesh. Why would he do that? And as we look at what takes place, and in appearance, being found as a man. Jesus also choosing to interact with mankind on a whole new way. To no longer be a superior being, but a weak and frail being, human being. If you think about Jesus Christ, first of all, his birth. Jesus Christ, born. Born in a manger, as we know. Maybe in a cave, but he was born in a lowly place. This is the king of kings. And as we think about the wise men who came to worship him, they understood who he was, but most people didn't. And even as we celebrate, oh, you know, look, put out the nativity scene in the manger to understand the God of heaven was born and came down around some animals. I mean, I don't know about you, but if you have kids or grandkids, would you be okay with them being born in a, a farm out in the barn? You'd be like, why would you do that? There is a, a hospital even the worst hospital is going to be cleaner than the barn. But Jesus came to earth in such a humble way, so contrary to our own natural thinking. And then he grew up. And thinking having to grow up under the stigma of 
born out of wedlock. And then to look at the fact that Jesus, he, he got tired. He wept. We see human characteristics. You know, people cry. People get weak. He grew in stature and knowledge. That's even hard for us to fathom. The God who knows everything, he grew in knowledge. And, and so we see that. And in the appearance being found, uh, frail, weak human beings. We have frailties. Each of us are getting older. Um, and you know what happens? Eventually we die. We don't know how it's going to happen. And it's important. I think about the, um, about the, what occurs in our lives. You know, as we think about it, we don't know how much time we have. Well, we should not get consumed with death. We understand that our lives are a gift from God. And so we, it is important for us to recognize that. You know, I'm talking about um, a couple individuals who um, were just discussing future and life. And it's important for us to recognize that our lives are short, but our lives are also not our own just to be lived selfishly. That's why God has come. And as we think about Jesus Christ, it says he humbled himself. You see this continuing emphasis upon positionally. And then the action. He humbled himself. This is an inadequate attempt to explain Jesus coming to earth. He was tempted. He was unbelieved. He was insulted. He was spit upon. He was beaten and disgraced beyond comprehension. You know, our natural desire when we're confronted with people who maybe are against us, our natural desire is to defend ourselves. You know, people are going to attack us. We're going to fight back, hopefully. That's just our natural response. Hey, wait a second, what's going on? But yet, Jesus Christ, when it comes to who he was and his purpose, see, he took insults. And Jesus did none of that in response deny who he was. They didn't believe him. Even his disciples ran away because they are afraid of what would occur by the government, by the Roman government. Think about when his body was missing. They were still in hiding because they were not sure. Are we going to get in trouble? Do we have to go to jail? And then it says in, as we move down, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. It's one thing to die, um, to die for another person, but to humble yourself and die a death on the cross. And the cross, the Romans were very good at torture, not only of suffering, but also humiliation. I mean, as we see the pictures up there, beaten, whipped, scourged, and then to die an embarrassing death. It's one thing to go off and die on your own but to die in front of everyone. The embarrassment. And that is so contrary to our nature because, I'll be honest, we're concerned about what other people see us as. You know, probably each of us, before we came, combed our hair or, you know, got dressed, looked in the mirror. Sometimes, you know, we're in a hurry and forget that. I one time came and it's like, oh, I forgot, you know, different things. And it's like, you always say, why, why didn't you tell me? You know, a good friend will tell you that, you know, something's wrong with you, or hey, something's out of place, right? It'll be that same friend that laughs at you because something is out of place, right? But to understand when we think about the embarrassment of 
when other people are looking at us. Sometimes social experiments, they have those individuals, okay, whenever a person comes back in the room, just stare at them. You know, our natural response is, is there something on my face? You're looking around. People are wondering what's going on. How many of you don't like to speak in public? Okay. You know, some of you, how many would, you know, as you think about it beyond, you know, those who are on TV, they have makeup artists, they have different ones to front. But to be up in front and just imagine if you have to do something that you're not comfortable with. You know, that's bad enough. But now, all of a sudden, they're going to embarrass you, insult you, and beat you in public. You're like, I'm out. Yeah, right. And so I just want you to get a picture of how vast beyond the disparity between our human natural desire and how contrary it is to the feeble attempts of us understanding that Jesus Christ went beyond what we could ever imagine. And I'll be honest, we couldn't take this. And that's why Jesus Christ, who was God, was willing to come to take upon him. I mean, there's people who've suffered insults, if you've ever been made fun of for certain things. But imagine that as a child, and then, then you grow up, and you can get a job. I always said, you know, if, if I always told my kids, you know, if they call you nerds, don't worry. Just someday maybe you'll be their boss. But, you know, kids are naturally going to insult, make fun of others. And guess what? It doesn't change. Sometimes adults make fun of other people. And so we have to understand our identity. And as, as a Christian, they're still going to make fun of you. Why do you do the things you do? But to the degree that in some other countries, they're persecuted for their faith. And so I think for us, even living in Western civilization, to understand the degree of what Jesus went to. And while we shouldn't, um, as I've heard from others who are going through persecution, you know, take advantage of the freedom we have to share Christ with others. Don't be ashamed. Don't be embarrassed. Because Jesus Christ, becoming obedient to the point of death, he was crucified on our behalf. Let me just close with this as we think about it. Jesus, although he is God, did not change his course of action of the incarnation based upon his status. Jesus Christ is God. He knew what was going to have to happen and he did not change the course of action of the incarnation coming to earth to live humbly as a human. Also, he was willing to humble himself and limit his attributes of deity by becoming a human being. If you've ever been camping, you know, and if you've ever been around bears, I grew up in New York, in upstate New York, to have the Adirondacks. And sometimes when you go camping, you know, they have black bears, and black bears smell food. One of the things you learn is you're supposed to put, hang your food up in a tree so it doesn't go after that, okay? Sometimes people have guns because, you know, wild animals. It's, you know, you have to be careful. Weapons. Well, imagine if you have to go out there and uh, there's some who go into the wild. But imagine if we have to go out there and we can't have any protections from the elements, from the animals. You'd be like, I'm not going. You know, my idea of camping is, you know, uh, going to uh, Hilton or something, right? And, and just to understand is that we would not go into a situation where we were not well prepared or, or if we were ill-equipped.
but yet Jesus was willing to humble himself and limit his attributes of deity by becoming a human being. He was willing to he resolved to give up the use of his divine attributes some of the time uh, while he was on earth. And he was also willing to humiliate himself even further and face death on a cross in obedience to take upon himself the sins of the world. You know, it's one thing to die for yourself or for one other person you care about. But how often are we willing to do something kind and loving and generous for people who hate us? You know, I mean, I, I'll be honest. Personally, I have trouble, you know, when people cut me off in the highway and are, and are rude, you know. I mean, I had someone pass by me and give me the finger. and what, They get so angry. People get so angry. And if we just give that back, what benefit is that? What testimony are we leaving? But our natural desire is not to say, oh, you know what, have a good day. You know, I'm so glad that you're in a hurry. Go ahead. I mean, maybe you're that passive. Maybe that's your personality. But, you know, I don't know. I just, in me, it's like, Wow, do you understand that there are other people on this planet? And, you know, and driving, there are certain regulations that are kind to help when we live in a civilized society. But you know what? People live by their own rules, and it's because of sin. And our natural desire is to, our natural desire is not to treat them kind, to do nice things for them. Oh, you know what? You did all this, you... You ran into my car and went away. You did all these bad things. You know, I, here, let me bake you some cookies. I mean, I don't mean to just simply be extreme and to, to make a levity of it, but to understand that Jesus Christ was willing to care about each of those individuals, way capable, way beyond what we could. You know, we have enough challenges with separation of political parties, of, of just everything, when people ag- disagree with us. So as we think about this passage in Philippians 2, how does this apply to us? And just in closing, I want to read this, because it's Philippians 1, 27 through 30. If you want to turn there, Philippians 1, 27 to 30. As we think about the humbling, the humiliation of Jesus Christ, God willing to come to earth to suffer, to pay the penalty for our sins. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel and not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which is to them a proof of perdition, but to you of salvation and that from God. For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which you saw in me and now here is in you. If you're a believer this morning and you consider and think about the sufferings of Christ, it's a reminder to us that our sufferings are light compared to his but to remember why he came to earth. While it was on our behalf to pay the penalty for our sins, but it's also a reminder that we're still here as we go through endure sufferings to be a testimony to others, a witness. If you're here this morning and if you're to die today and you're not sure that you go to heaven, I would encourage you to remember that if today's your last day, what have you lived for? And then what? What happens? 
Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay the penalty for us. It is something that we could not do. And what makes it so unfathomable is that we wouldn't want to do it. But yet we're humanly, our natural desires, when someone tells us we can't do something, all of a sudden it's like, well, I'm going to try. But yet we couldn't. That's our human attempts at religions to try to get to God. But this morning, to remember that Jesus Christ paid the penalty, he left heaven and came to earth. The value of that, to be able to pay for the sins of the world. And so whosoever, you know, admit that you're a sinner and place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, today is a day of salvation. Beginning a new relationship. It's not anything that we can do. That's what, when people read the Bible and understand, we understand our sinfulness. We understand our limitations. And that's why Philippians 2 Actually, the whole chapter is about joy, but guess what? In order to have joy, there's some, some understanding of what Jesus Christ has done for us. That's why I want you to think about, while it may be a heavy weight, our natural response is guilt. We are guilty. But because of Jesus Christ, we have forgiveness. And that forgiveness is a positional difference. Because no longer are we enemies with God, we are friends with God. We have the hope that eternal life will come. But guess what? We're still here. How do we know? And that's why the evidence for them when they see next week, the story continues. Because it's not just the suffering. It's just not the bad news. It's not just simply Jesus Christ came, suffered, and, and on behalf, and, and then it just becomes a burden of guilt that we carry around with us because we're guilty because of what Jesus Christ had did on our behalf. As that one famous preacher said, Sunday's coming. And if we just were to dwell on the death of Jesus Christ, it is of great value to us because it has provided eternal life. It has paid the penalty for our sins, but there's more. And you'll have to come back next week to think about that hope. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much.